Hello and welcome to Editor's Pick, a War Elephant podcast, episode 11. We have with us our normal hosts of myself and Christine. Hi. And we have special guest host, Jaden, who's one of our sheepdogs and a long-term member of the War Elephant community. Jaden also has extensive experience this past year with the Wisconsin Republican Party. So we're going to spend this episode really talking about that experience and what it was like. So why don't you start us off, Jaden, by telling us what got you into the Wisconsin GOP organization? Right. So um, I live in Fond du Lac, uh, Wisconsin. I have... I'm right here in the Fond du Lac office, of course. Um, I worked for Trump Victory for the uh, Wisconsin, or yeah, Wisconsin Trump Victory for the 2020 uh, campaign. Um, oh, wow. <laughs> um, and yeah, so um, it was a really interesting experience um, being on the campaign trail, of course. Um, it's not what I really expected it to be, and I really didn't know what I was expecting when I first joined the campaign, but um, let's see, how did I, how did I join this campaign? How did I get started? So, uh, back in January last year, that was even before COVID, that was a long time ago. It's almost a year. <laughs> um, I was talking to Ron Bishop. He's the uh, chairman for the, uh, Fond du Lac County Republican party. Um, and he said he was looking for a field organizer for the, uh, county, and I didn't have anything going on at the time. So I said I was interested and I would just like to know more about it. And um, I talked to the regional field director for Trump Victory in this area. And I got the job basically the next day. <laughs> and so uh, it was interesting to get started. That was February 3rd, I think was my first official day. Um, so we went down to Waukesha and uh, went to a uh, statewide meeting where we would just go on uh, training and stuff like that. And we would go on what we were planning on doing. Uh, so the first month, so it'd be February until about mid-March when COVID really got uh, a big issue. Um, it was pretty interesting. It was pretty cold back then, but um, we knocked on some doors and we uh, made a lot of phone calls and we tried to get uh, some volunteers uh, recruited. But then uh, a lot of that changed when COVID uh became a, <laughs> a really big issue uh, with the lockdowns and all that. Uh, and it changed the campaign. It was something that really hadn't happened before. So it became mostly virtual for a couple months, I think until April 15th. Um, so that was pretty interesting. Um, so is there anything that you want me to go into detail about specifically um, about the early campaign or anything about the campaign in general right now? Well, I had a question about what was sort of a normal day like for you, or were there phases of the campaign where you did different things? Right, normal? yeah. So uh, between uh, when we started back in February and uh, the beginning of the COVID lockdowns, it was uh, a normal campaign. Like we would just knock on doors and we would make phone calls and stuff like that, try to recruit volunteers. Unfortunately, we didn't have an office in Fond du Lac um, at the time. We ended up getting or working out of uh, the Oshkosh office, which is a uh, permanent location um, for the Republican Party in the area. And um, what happened after the lockdowns is we went to a completely virtual campaign. So until mid-April or so, 
uh, it was purely uh, making phone calls and we tried to recruit volunteers for that, but no one was really interested in doing that. So it was kind of difficult. But uh, then uh, after the uh, shelter at home, I think it was, uh, the 15 days to the spread, which turned out to be a, a lot longer than 15 days, um, yeah, we ended up um, easing up on that mid-April or so and then um, started knocking on doors, I don't know, somewhere around then. I don't remember exactly. It was sometime in uh, May, I think. But yeah, then it was more of a normal campaign. We still had to wear masks, of course. Um, we had to socially distance, so we had to be safe, of course. But then uh, it was about the same until July 15th when we were able to open our offices uh, here in Fond du Lac. And there are actually two offices for uh, reasons which I guess we'll go into later. Um, but uh, yes, we got the county party office, which I'm in right now, and the Trump victory office, which was actually in a different spot um, across town. But yeah, and then uh, that was until the end of August with the shooting of Jacob Blake um, with this whole. Uh, uh, what's it called? Police brutality thing over the summer. It came to a head in Wisconsin with the shooting of Blake, who was shot in Kenosha. Um, and I think that really scared a lot of people, especially in Wisconsin. And we actually got armed security at our offices um, across the state, which was really interesting. Um, and then. Why, why did. I hate to interrupt, but why oh, sorry. did you need armed security, Jaden? Uh, there was a lot of concern, actually, between a lot of people, especially like down in Kenosha and Racine and Milwaukee. Um, I don't know why they they sent people here, um, but they did. And it was, it was just, I guess, for just in case, there wasn't really going to be any issues uh, in Fond du Lac. But um, there were actually some issues in Appleton uh, mid-September. I think it was the 18th when uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg died. Um, there were protesters that were... Uh, threatening the office actually um, up in Appleton and uh, oh, of they actually course. had a call. No, for yeah, people sorry. who aren't aware of Wisconsin geography, Appleton is within easy driving distance of the Twin Cities. Yeah, um, so um, so Rosine, Kenosha, and Milwaukee, they're all in the uh, southeast corner of the state. Uh, Fond du Lac is uh, East Central, uh, just at the foot of um, Lake Winnebago. Then on the north side of Lake, Lake Winnebago is um, Appleton. And then Green Bay is just an hour away from there. Um, so, but yeah, this is a fairly close to Minnesota. It's a, within a day's drive, of course. Um, I, but yeah, I know so we, because I go shopping in Appleton sometimes. Really? You've gone to Appleton before? Yes. That's funny. So um, let's see what else. So then between the uh, between September and November really was just crunch time. Like it was just crazy busy. Like we had to knock on a lot of doors. We had to make a lot of phone calls. We were talking to volunteers nonstop. And um, I don't think I got a lot of sleep that last week before the election. Um, and honestly, it, it felt really weird after the election was over. Um, like we'd been working so hard for so long and then we just just stop 
it was really surreal, I guess you could say, the the change in um, the way the what we did. Like we didn't do anything for an entire week after the election. Like it was mostly just um, thanking volunteers and and stuff like that. There really wasn't a whole lot to do. So. Um, but yeah, so you had a couple questions um, you wrote down here. Um, was there anything specific you wanted to touch on right now or? Well, Christine had some questions about the effect um, of various things. Christine? I was curious, first of all, uh, how did COVID affect not uh, your day-to-day -day campaigning? And do you think that the Republican Party managed that uh, better, worse, or fairly equivalent to how the Democrat Party did in your area? Well, the Democratic Party in Fond du Lac really didn't have the same equivalent uh, campaign that we did in Fond du Lac. Um, Fond du Lac County is a solid Republican county. Um, we got overall 62.5, I think, percent uh, for Trump. And Republican down ballot candidates did a whole lot better, too. Um, so the, the Democrats really didn't pay a whole lot of attention. They had, of course, some people on the ground, like they had a, a small office just across town. Um, they were knocking on doors in the last week before the election. But uh, before then, I didn't see anything. I didn't know of any activities. They had signs, a lot of them. <laughs> Not as many as Trump signs, of course. Republican Black is still a very Republican city. Um, but uh, yeah, it's actually really concerning because there were Biden signs up and down Park Street uh, for like months uh, before we got any Trump signs out too. So that was really uh, interesting to say the least. So you kind of knew from the number of signs which way the election was going to go in your county, you think? Well, yard signs really don't predict um, how or who's when. Uh, it does it does tell you enthusiasm, like how many people are enthusiastic to vote for this person. And I don't think a lot of people really enthusiastic to vote for Biden just because he was Biden. I think a lot of people just wanted to show that they didn't like Trump. <laughs> but um, it's it's a really interesting dilemma because um, Glenn Grothman, he's my local U.S. representative. Um, he's obsessed with yard signs, absolutely obsessed with them. And uh, the county party chairman, Ron Bishop, he says this all the time that, Yard signs don't vote, but Glenn has never lost an election. He just, just yard signs everywhere. So um, a lot of it, yeah, it, it's it's more to do with enthusiasm. I don't think it really changes a whole lot when it comes to presidential elections, um, but it does it does help a lot in the local races, I guess you could say. So now, did your campaign do much for reaching out to people to vote? early through the mail-in system at all, or did they follow the national lead uh, that was very reticent about that for Republicans? Actually, that's a really great question. And um, that's something that Ron Bishop had been uh, talking about for the longest time. Back in June, uh, when President Trump had uh, gone on that hard line against absentee ballots, mail-in ballots, uh, Ron was encouraging people because it was a safe and easy method that's always been used in Wisconsin, um, at least for the last several decades. And um, 
we actually had several precincts in our um, county which had more than 100% turnout compared to um, 2016. So the, the people who voted in 2016, we had more people voting early or absentee um, before this election. So I would say it was very successful, at least for this area. I don't know about other areas in Wisconsin or even nationally, uh, but I know so, that Jane, here- I want was... to be clear. Sorry. The turnout through absentee was greater than the total turnout Correct. of the previous presidential election, yep. but yep. not greater than the number of voters no, who no, were no. eligible. Okay. No. I, I no, just, it was, because yeah. of all the controversies swirling yeah. around right now, I wanted to be clear about that. Yeah, I thought about that too. I was going to try clarifying that. But yeah, it, it was, we had more votes through absentee ballots um, this year than we did um, than we did in uh, 2016. And that's, that's a really interesting number. <laughs> so um, I, I don't, I, I think that a major part of that actually was because of Ron Bishop. He was very, um, very good at promoting uh, safe and e easy methods to vote. And a lot of people took advantage of that. And I really think that was a good decision. Um, so I, I think I don't have the numbers offhand how many people in those regions voted for Trump or, or for Biden based on the absentee ballots. But I wouldn't be surprised if there were more Republicans who voted in total in absentee ballots here in, in Fond du Lac. And, and that's one thing I saw in our local campaigns here was that the, the Republican Party did not advocate mail-in ballots. They were quite against them. Mm -hmm. And the Democratic Party was quite for them, which astounded me because uh, to my way of thinking, a vote that was mailed in, filled in and mailed in was a vote in the bank. But they, right. they did come around later. So probably I want to say late in October, I all of a sudden started getting all kinds of mailings. Get your absentee ballot, oh, yeah. get your absentee ballot. But it, it yeah, took I got quite a bunch a of those too. So yeah, and I, I, I do think that's the reason why we did a lot better here for absentee ballots. And um, it's really interesting to, to look in the numbers like that. I just don't have them offhand. I would love to share them, but um, but yeah, uh, let's see. What else do we have written down here? Um, well, something that I wanted to ask is, where do you see yourself going from this job as part of the local GOP? Do you think that you want to continue at the local level? Do you want to stop and work on other things as conservative? Or do you want to try and get in the federal or national level? Well, <laughs> what I can tell you right now is I have no aspirations for federal politics. It's, or national politics, I should say. Uh, yeah, it's an absolute mess right now. Uh, I would absolutely love to do uh, local politics because I think that's what matters most. Um, we need to be improving our communities, our local communities, um, and making a difference where it matters to us. Because at the national level, it's, it's a complete mess. and You really can't change a whole lot. But when you're directly involved with your local cities or your local counties, you can actually do things that the, the people you know actually know what's going on. Like you, you can actually you can actually make a difference and that's what matters. I think a lot of people don't realize that, um, that what politics is today, it's so nationalized and that's not the way it really should be. It should be focused more on the local communities and, and 
too many people don't realize that these days, and that's really disappointing. So, well, something about to build on that. What are the local communities that you're connected with? What are the the makeups? I mean, obviously, the Jacob Blake incident in Kenosha of quite a ways south of Fond du Lac, but um, that highlights that there is a, a minority population that has some unrest. Um, but what's it like in, in your area? What does, I, I was really happy with the Republican turnout with the way we had so many Hispanics and, and black people and women voting for not just President Trump, but also down ticket. Like it was a historically diverse Republican uh, coalition. And I think that that message that our policies work, that we are a party that welcomes everyone and we don't care where you're from as long as you're interested in working hard and building communities together. I think that is fantastic, but I'm curious about on the ground because it looks different everywhere you go. So what is your experience of the local communities and how the GOP has reached out to them? Well, Fondelac County is actually not a very diverse county. We have mostly white people, of course. It's a small town, rural, uh, conservative area. It really doesn't have a lot of people like that. I mean, it's even growing. The population has been growing most assuredly. Um, and the most of them that I've at least talked to, they were actually Republicans. Uh, so I would say that when it comes to people who already live out in these areas, the, uh, the outreach is pretty good. Um, and the outreach is certainly improving in the, the uh, inner city communities. Uh, I was talking to some of my coworkers and they said that the at least in the offices that are set up in Racine and in Milwaukee, um, in the the lower income areas, there were a lot of people that came in um, that were uh, minority, and they weren't hostile at all. They they came in and were like, "Well, what are you guys doing here? You guys usually don't have an office around here." And um, they explained why, and they were that they were doing more community outreach, and they were actually very happy with that. And I think that really is what makes a difference. Um, in those local races, because if it, it isn't going to change a lot of minds right now, and a lot of people need to realize it, we we need to be paying attention um, or thinking about what it's going to be like twenty years down the line or forty years down the line, because that's what we're going to be doing by by uh, making these making outreach to these areas, planting seeds of community outreach. We can improve our standing over the next several decades, and hopefully, we can make a difference. Jaden. What do you think authentic outreach actually looks like to groups that may not consider themselves part of the traditional conservative coalitions? Well, that's a great question. I don't think it looks like promising more welfare. I don't think it looks like pro uh, promising more and more government, government involvement. I think it, it's more about personal improvement, about uh, telling them we're here and we're trying to make a difference and we're trying to help. Um, we just need to talk to you to figure out what we can do to improve the situation. Like what can we do to improve the infrastructure? What we can do to improve education? What can we do to, um, to help people um, rise up from their situations? And that's, that's what really matters. Um, I, I, unfortunately, I wasn't directly involved with those uh, those parts of the campaign, um, and I would I would have loved to have uh, at least experienced a couple days of it, but uh, that's unfortunately all I can really say about that. So, um, 
What would you say to anyone who is looking to get into local politics? Um, not just, of course, Wisconsin or Fond du Lac, but uh, you know, someone like Christine and I in Minnesota, or someone in you know, battle uh, really rough states to be a Republican in, like uh, California or New York. Um, do you have any advice of what to expect, what to do, what kinds of things make you appealing to local GOP offices? So the number one thing is to be, um, to be consistent, to, to be conti continually active, to be, um, to be uh, cooperative with the community, like be, do, be involved in outreach programs and, and help out with all those things. You, you, you aren't going to get anywhere if you're there for every other meeting. You've got to be consistent. You've got to be involved with events. You've got to be involved with uh, knocking on doors, with making phone calls. You've got to be doing that outreach. Um, when it comes to what I was doing, um, I, I did not think that I was going to be uh, where I was a year ago. I don't I didn't I didn't have like not in my wildest dreams that I think that I'm going to be where I am or where I was. Sorry. <laughs> um, a year ago, I did not think. I was going to be where I am today. And that's that's something that a lot of people need to keep in mind, that life changes and we have to be as cooperative as possible. Ah, uh, what's a good word? I'm really bungling this, Dan. <laughs> uh, flexible um, or um, Flexible, prepared? like, yeah. Yeah, you, you, just, you just gotta work with a lot of people and that's what really matters. Um, you aren't going to get anywhere if you're not going to be involved. So yeah, I, I would say the number one thing, just be involved. So um, don't, don't have crazy opinions, I guess. Um, one of the, one of the conversations that we had on War Elephant um, in our discord server, uh, it was maintained by some people that the primaries were really just for the party elites. And when pressed, they defined party elites as people who vote in primaries. It's kind of a recursive argument. Right. So my question to you is, do you feel after this experience that at least at the local level, the party is actually comprised of elites? Well, no, certainly not. Um, it's it's all about the grassroots movement um when it comes to like like the absentee ballot issue ron bishop's um insistence that ron, that um, absentee ballots are safe and secure and it's a valid way to vote really improved our standing in the area and that's what really uh changed a lot of minds like you aren't going to change minds if you're just spouting things off on twitter um you actually have to be involved in the community and you actually have to um <sighs> Wow, I lost what I was going to say. Well, let's put it this way. If there is, there's nothing inherently Republican or Democrat about voting by mail. Right. And it is legal. Um, so there's no reason why Republicans shouldn't uh, have a dedicated ballot collecting program. And in fact, in California, that's where a lot of gains made. We got shellacked in 2018 in California, but Republicans really worked hard at ballot collection programs on the local level, and we did much, much better on the state and local levels. Obviously, California is never going to go red for 
a significant amount of time without massive cultural shifts. But there are uh, state seats and propositions that we can win there if we do our job as party members and um, that kind of thing. So I think what you're describing well, I, as, as Ron's like attitude is you. exactly what Republicans should be saying. Oh, absolutely. Ian, Ian, I'd like to remind you, California had a Republican governor not that long ago. Republican. <laughs> Republican. Well, yeah. That, that's that's the that's the huge thing. I was trying to make a point earlier about how nationalized politics has gotten. Uh, it, it shouldn't be so nationalized, and a lot of people um, do understand that and will vote for Republicans if they're if they're people that they think that they can vote for. I think a lot of people, and we really underestimate this, how many people actually vote for the right candidate um, when it isn't their preferred um, their preferred party. Um, like I, I could see myself voting for a Democrat if there was a good de Democrat running that, um, or if there was a bad Republican that was running. I don't see a point in in always towing the Repo the Republican Party line if we're not sticking to our principles. Um, and a lot of people really underestimate that. And um, when it comes to local politics, especially, um, it, it's it should be more focused on the local issues, not the national issues. Um, and so when it comes to like um, my assemblyman, Jeremy Thiesfeld, he um, he didn't run on any national issues, and I don't think he should. And he did a lot better than Donald Trump. I think he got, ooh, what was it, like 67, 8%, 68%, pretty high, a lot higher than Donald Trump. And that's what a lot of people like about him because he's he's not a hardliner he he can work with other party members and um he's signed actually a lot of legislation with uh, tony evers our democrat governor um and that's what we really need to be paying attention to we should especially at the local level we shouldn't be trying to divide each other based on our party we should be trying to do things for the greater good so well i like hearing that but then again in my first election I voted for a very famous Texan who happened to split the vote and handed uh, the electoral win to one Bill Clinton. So. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, I, yeah, that's, that's the issue with the two party <laughs> system. I don't know of anything we can do to fix that, but um, I, yeah, that's, Unfortunately, the way it is sometimes. So, I, and for the record, I do not regret my vote. I just wish more <laughs> people had seen him the way I saw him. Right. So, anyway, um, let's see. I think you guys asked another question. I thought about it, so I was trying to make that point. I can't remember what it was now. Um, well, do you have a favorite memory of working on the campaign? Something that you think you'll look back and smile on? Well, I gotta say, I guess this might be a little bit overdone, but um, honestly, until election day, I thought we were absolutely done. Like, I thought we were going to lose the presidency. I thought we were going to lose the Senate. I thought we were going to lose even more seats in the House. But um, on election night, it was really close. And I th honestly, I thought we were going to win for a minute. Um, and um, it was a really fun night. Um, so I got to um, 
to see that all change so quickly like so it, it was it's, it was really interesting so i think i remember that for sure like how how much i thought we were gonna lose but we actually we actually held the senate so far we've gained the house and i honestly i couldn't be happier about that situation um i mean i wanted trump to win of course i want the policies and and uh trying to make our country better um but if if what it takes to to keep our country the way it is um with a, a split government with a, a republican senate and a democrat presidency then I'm absolutely fine with that. So now to, to follow that up, were there any tough moments with campaigning, especially how you were received by people? I know there's been a lot of hostility between Democrats and Republicans that has really developed. Um, and we've talked about some of that on World of before, but did you experience any of that? Uh, yeah, actually, um, I uh, I kept a very long list of every time that um, I had been um, yelled at or, or cussed out or, or something like that. Um, it's several pages long. I, I would <laughs> it's it's a crazy list. Um, a couple of times I've been threatened. Actually, uh, one one guy said that. Um, Oh, what did he say exactly? He said, um, if you were just a little bit older, I'd punch your lights out. And like, that's not something that a normal person says, dude. Um, I got called Nazi more times than I can remember. Um, it's it's unfortunately the way it is. Um, and I, I wish people would realize so, it were So, oh, yeah. You Sorry. got called Nazi just by people. And this is like when you were knocking doors and stuff? Yeah. yeah. When I would knock doors, there would be some. <laughs> If some people that would uh, cuss me out and say that Republicans are Nazis and and um, that um, you're you're a bigot for supporting Trump or something like that, and it, it's just so, so silly because oh sorry, these I'm sorry these are ordinary people. This is not media messaging. This is seep down into the community. This this the, these are people that I've met in the community. Yeah. Unfortunately, okay. so. Do you get a sense that that's a new thing or because I remember back in the Bush era, it wasn't necessarily as open, but there were popular novels being written explicitly comparing the Bush um, administration to Nazis. And right. I personally felt extremely alienated from the creators and authors and fans who embraced that message. Um, so to me, there's sort of a continuity there, but I don't know if your perspective is different. Did you feel it was a more new thing for you? Well, considering I hadn't been part of a campaign before, I really don't have anything else to compare it to. But there, there is a good point to be made there that Republicans have been compared to Nazis for the longest time, and it's not going to go away, unfortunately. But I, I couldn't tell you how much um, it's really new because there's, there's a lot of people that wouldn't have thought that it was okay to to be violent or make threats um 10 years ago that are today um there there was a study done a um, couple months ago um, that found that republicans and democrats are both more willing to commit political violence if necessary um and i would love to look more into the methodology unfortunately i didn't really go into it but it it found that um 
that up to a third of both parties thought that it was acceptable to uh, to have violence against other uh, partisan members, and that's that's really concerning to me. Um, I think that is actually very new, unfortunately. Yes, it, it that, is new actually because I have there were, no basis of comparison for that. Yeah, that that's that's the most concerning thing about it because there were studies done in the in previous years, and this is a very new trend, according to that. And I think it speaks to a lot of the. Um, the nationalization of politics as well because so many people don't realize that the local republicans the people that are trying to make a difference are trying to help the community and they don't really do anything when it comes to national policy um when it comes to like twitter like you anyone can around the world can read what you're reading or writing anyone can tweet anything from anywhere and it, it, it doesn't serve to help our communities. It doesn't serve to help our country. And that's, that's the most concerning thing to me right now. And a lot of people don't realize that. So. And, and do you think the commodification and uh, the glorification of violence for political reasons on platforms such as Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram is contributing to this attitude of general acceptance of violence? Well, I, I think a lot of it does have to do with like political echo chambers, and that certainly helped when it comes to um, social media like Twitter, um, because oh, there was a study done a while back about the uh, how certain groups of people only have tweets, or they only read tweets, and they only like tweets from certain other people. I mean, that's just the way it is, but it found that the the leftist Twitter and the the, the conservative Twitter they're completely separated. And that's really concerning because a lot of people don't realize that we've we've built these echo chambers around each other, just hearing what we want to hear, and we don't try to look at the other side to to read what they're trying to say and what what they what they believe and understand what we're trying to say to each other. It's it's all just um, grandstanding. It's all just trying to grift to each other, and we're not trying to get to a better understanding of the world. We're not trying to improve our community. We aren't trying to improve our country. It's it's a, a political echo chamber, and that's that's a really. I, I want to point out part of that is a function of the way Twitter works on its algorithm, mm -hmm. because yep. even if you follow people that you have a very different worldview of, uh, if you aren't interacting with their content, if you aren't commenting, if you aren't liking, Twitter downranks it in your feed, and so you see less and less and less of it until it goes away. So yeah, in actually, a way, the Twitter algorithm created the echo chamber. Yeah, and and that's actually what drives um, interaction. It's 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 a self uh, fulfilling prophecy in a way. It, it repeats itself. Like you keep interacting with one part of content, you keep getting more of it, and you keep interacting with it. And yeah, I would I would say that Twitter certainly doesn't help with any of that. So because I, I say that because I, when I use Twitter, I like to get diverse viewpoints from Twitter. I like to get my news from Twitter, but it's really hard because. I don't like to interact with things I find unpleasant or disagreeable, partly because I don't want to say unpleasant or disagreeable things. I don't go there to argue with people. Okay. So if I can't hit like, I don't want to say this is a stupid idea because, you know, and I don't even necessarily just want to waste my time engaging with it. I, I'm like, okay, I've absorbed that idea. I've looked at the counter arguments. I've looked at the arguments and I move on. But Twitter thinks, oh, she didn't leave a comment. She didn't like it. She wasn't interested in it. 
And yeah, no, that's not true. But even on, on my Twitter, I have to work constantly to reintroduce diversity into my Twitter feed because of this. And I, I think about for most people, if they are thinking about that and don't know about that, it just goes away. Right. Um, so let's see, there was another topic I think we wanted to touch on about um, all this. So did, did you have any other questions? I think there was another question that one of you had. Uh, I'm not thinking of one. I think we've covered most of the stuff that I wanted to get. And I wanted to mention mm -hmm. that we are planning to try and get uh, Ron, uh, your boss, and yes. the chair of the GOP next week. So tune in next time. We're also hoping to have John Davis, our leader. And um, we've linked Ron's Twitter account in our show notes if you want to check that out, as well as our uh, own Quora community and the discord invite link that's open to anyone we're happy to to have you um and we Ian, i believe yes. i believe ron has been in the news recently Many times. <laughs> so and that's national news so folks should definitely check him out yeah yeah i'm very excited about that um also please remember to like and subscribe all your um, promotions, uh, retweet us, put us on uh, whatever your social media is. We'd love all that. And uh, most importantly, we do want you to join us. So feel free to comment and uh, join our community to talk about the podcast or suggest ideas. We're very open to really being community driven as a podcast. So that's uh, mostly what I wanted to say. If you have any last thoughts, feel free to share them before we sign off. Jaden? What do you feel the Republican Party has to offer people who aren't traditionally part of the Republican coalition or the conservative coalition? Well, Republicans offer what the American dream is. We, we want freedom for everyone. We want everyone to have the liberty to do what they want. Um, we don't need policies that don't help the communities. We want to to improve infrastructure. We want to uh, help uplift communities. And, and we, we do have a massive messaging problem. But this latest election goes to show that the, Repul or the Democrats have a worse message problem um, with how the Republicans have won down ballot, but still lost the presidency. Um, and I think that's a, a big point that we really need to consider that a lot of people um, particularly the minorities, because Republicans have gained uh, a lot in every interest group except for white men this past election. And that's, that's, that says a lot. And I hope that trend continues for the next several years. And I, I'm almost certain it will. So, Well, thank you very much for coming on and sharing your experiences and your thoughts and your vision with us. Yeah, thank you for having me. All right. Thank you, War Elephants, and thank you, all listeners. We'll see you next week.